In the Wild West world of podcasting, there is one podcast that is authentic and genuine and continues to stand tall in its originality. Based on a passion for his guests, their work, and his love of podcasting, Derek Thomas and Monday Morning Critic Podcast get amazing, diverse, unique guests found nowhere else. The variety and quality are endless. There is something for everyone. Derek Thomas is the hero you deserve. He's a silent guardian, a watchful protector. Welcome to Monday Morning Critic Podcast. Here is Derek Thomas. Hi, Derek. Hey, stranger. Hi. Hey, stranger. How are you? How's it going? See, I thought you'd appreciate the hey, stranger a little more, but you know what? We'll go, we'll go with that. So I wasn't sure if you meant it the way I was taking it. So yeah. I was like, gonna... I got you. I got but you. So, thank you for the callback. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So, so you mentioned in prior interviews, some of your favorite endings of all time are say anything. The Shape of Water, Thelma Louise. Where is your movie dad slash uh, co-star Clancy Brown's Shawshank Redemption rate on your movie ending list? Oh, my gosh. I'm surprised that I actually didn't mention it when I was talking about my favorite movie endings. I mean, it's one of my favorite movies. Yeah, of course. Of course. It. Some of my favorite performance. I just cry every single time I watch it, and the ending is quite satisfying and the shot, you know, pulling out on the beach. I mean, it's just very cinematic, but I, you know, I, it's almost like sometimes you think about like one of my favorite films of all time is back to the future. Mm. And I never think about it when I'm talking about my favorite films. Cause it's like all of our favorite film, you know what I mean? It just like <laughs> yeah. kind of goes over your head because yeah. it's like obvious. It's like yeah. low hanging fruit with Shawshank, but of course, yes. Yeah. You're trying to be unique. I get what you're saying. Like uh, the, the under the radar <laughs> movies. No, I get it. I get it. Um, Come on, Louise, kind of iconic, but I always feel the need to, you know, make sure that we list the films that are off forgotten because they star women or are made by women. So, yeah. Yep. So before I get into the movie, so like just watching you in this movie, um, you know, you're stunning, you're elegant, unique look. You have a great look to you. You have oodles of talent, writing, directing, acting. Where does Chapman University figure into all of this for you? Oh my gosh, Chapman is so important to me. It's funny because I didn't want to go to college. Like I just wanted to go be a pop star and like go straight into, you know, living the life of a of Britney. Um and my parents were very insistent that I go to school. They were very insistent. You can study whatever you want. And I figured I'll just go to school until I get my record deal. And I was at Chapman and I was recording constantly. I was performing live a lot. I was like half there at Chapman. And I remember they were trying to make me, they were trying to make all of us record these regurgitated scenes, which is very, you know, traditional in film schools and film and acting class. You shoot, you shoot these very, um, you know, run of the mill, basic scenes that you can add all kinds of subtext to. And I just didn't want to do it. I wanted, I had a lot, you know, I've already had a very specific <laughs> idea of who I was apparently at 18 years old. And I said, I don't want to do this. And my professor said, you're doing it. And I said, I don't want to do it. And he said, well, then write something better. And then I'll let you shoot that. That's the only way you're getting out of it. And I was like, I could do that. So I started writing scenes and I would write scenes for other actors. And then I started writing films and I started writing plays. And it was really just because I was kind of frustrated that I had been forced to go to college by my parents. Mm. That professor, John Bennett's, was the reason I became a writer. And mm. then it, when I came in, when I got to LA and I was struggling to get roles, I did end up getting that record deal. And that the label folded, completely broke my heart. 
And I had to, what felt like rebuild myself from the ground up, my dreams, my view, my worldview. I felt like my belief in, in, in a higher power had completely crumbled around me. And so I thought, you know, that thing that I did in college where I would just write all my own roles and get so I could get to play the kind of stuff I wanted to play, I could just do that here. Yeah. So that's how I started. That's how I became a filmmaker. But it's because of Chapman. It's because of John Bennett's. And then ultimately, when I wrote my first feature film, MFA, and we needed a campus, I went straight to Chapman. I went straight to Jim Doty, the president of the school. I brought him cupcakes. <laughs> and I said... Sir, I need the campus. And he goes, what part do you need? And I said, I need all of it. <laughs> we have scenes in the art school. We have scenes on the football field. We have scenes in the locker rooms. And he made that call to the calendaring department. And he just said, you know, give her what she needs. And I would, there's no way I would have been able to shoot that movie. They gave it to me for free. There's no way I would have been able to shoot my first feature film. And I, there's no way I would have the career that I have without Chapman. So that's a very long story to explain yeah. why college ended up being the right thing for me. Yeah. And your abilities are on full display in, in Scrambled. You are really a gifted writer amongst other things. Um, You, you know, I joked with you with Hey Stranger, but, you know, there's a great scene for those who haven't seen this in the movie yet. You know, there's a um, when she's going back and texting her people in the past, you know, before I met my wife, I, you know, I was doing that. And, you know, one thing I've learned because I, I just it just made me laugh because I was thinking about my own life because it never works out. There's a reason those people are in your rearview mirror, right? It never works out. You're hoping for something different. You hope they changed. You hope you were wrong. But it it's never it's never that it's always you made the right call and you probably are in the right place. Right. Truly, I think I hope that's a takeaway from this film. Yeah, <laughs> people cannot change. I do believe that we can mature. I know that I am a much more level-headed human than I was in my twenties. Um, but we don't change that much. I haven't changed that much. My my family always tells me I'm exactly who I was at five years old. I'm exactly, <laughs> but not Leah, not change, but like not change for you for what you were to each other, right? So yeah. so your relationship, your rapport. Um, you know, I couldn't stop laughing at this too. The Scarface poster and Reservoir Dogs. To me, those are, I, I'm not a, I love movies. Those are, in my opinion, the two most overrated ones. And anybody that in college that wanted you to know that they were a badass had these posters on the wall to take note. I like Fight Club. That's why I've omitted that. But oh my God, was that an, was that a dead on reference to, 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 to that type of person? My God, did you nail that? I love, you know, I always feel like the film nerds are going to get it. The film nerds are going to, because it's it was on every dude's wall in film school. It's on every 20-something dudes that just can't seem to let go of college. It's all, it's it's, it's your telltale sign. It's the re first red flag you should recognize. Yeah, yeah. And, and you could not have, what a cast. And I got to tell you, Andrew Santino could not have, you could not have cast a better person to play your brother. Like, if you said this is a story about a family, I would think you were legitimately brother and sister. That's how close you resemble each other, I think. Oh, my God. I love to hear that. I stalked him and I and I went to his stand up show. He was like sitting on my script and not reading it. And I hassled him in the street and I said, you need to do my movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's it going to take? Who do you think you are? Daniel Day-Lewis? <laughs> very grateful that he said yes and he's very clever too he's one of those guys that i don't know how you could not laugh at when you're making a scene i feel like he's one of those people that is just always on like he i is. feel like he's, he's that guy he is always on and he blows he's one of the most talented people i've ever worked with and you just don't know what you're gonna get because a 
brother sister relationship and that dynamic is so difficult to 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 fake you know it's that yeah. that type of history um a, a real brother and sister if you have a real sibling you know what that feels like and he has a real sister and a little sister in real life and i have an older brother in real life obviously so i feel like we were able to just kind of plug into our our own histories of our of our you know true lives and and yeah. bring it was kind of a blessing for sure. There's a really beautiful, well, there's a few beautiful moments in the movie. One of them is the letter, proud of us, mom. Ugh. Uh, you know, a really well done, beautiful, like little, I'm getting a little emotional now talking about it. Um, awesome. so, so, you know, it's a really great moment. And, and I, I wanted to ask you, do you think Nellie would have made a good mother right away? Because I feel like a lot of the movie is her dealing with her. Like, I feel like that's it. Like, yes, it's about children and all the other stuff, but the real battle was her. It's It's with her. Um, do you think she would have made a, a great mom had she had kids earlier? Had she not been had to, had to go through this situation? Do you think she would have been a decent mom, or do you think she was too much? She had too many issues. She was trying to resolve on her own. I think that I think that she knew what was right for her yeah. ultimately, and ultimately, what was right for her was to take care of herself first and foremost. And it's like, put your mask on, your own mask on first, right? Mm. I, and that it's the way that I feel about myself. I have, I, I infuse a lot of my own real insecurities into the film. What kind of mom will I be? I, I'm so bad at so many things. I can barely get myself to take vitamins. I can barely <laughs> learn how to do more than scrambled eggs, honestly. And and how am I supposed to know all of the right things that they eat and they don't eat and the burping and the this but I do feel that we can do amazing things. We can do hard things when we want to do them. And that's the key. It's not that she wouldn't make an amazing mom. She will when she decides that that's yeah. what she wants to be. You will find a way through the chaos. And I know that when I'm ready to have kids, I'm going to read the books. I'm going to do the classes. I'm going to make my mom come down here and show me and and have and pull all of the women that have these natural maternal um, abilities. I'm going to pull them around me and they'll coach me through it. Um, yeah. So I think any woman that really wants to be a mom has it in her to be an incredible mom. That's a great answer. You know, and I, and I feel like there being some people, the doctors are being a little hard on alien movies. I feel like 33, 34 yeah, it's a little older, but I feel like it's not like an impossible feat, right? Because, uh, you know, my wife had two kids at 36 and I think 37 some, in, th in that area. So I feel like it's not, yeah, yes, you're a little older, but it's not impossible, right? So I feel like it's something she definitely could do when she if she put her mind to it, right? Absolutely. I mean, we have all kinds of stories of women having babies naturally in their 40s. And then we have stories of women struggling to get pregnant in their early 30s. Every body is completely different. And I think... For me, it's just about removing the stigma of all women are done at 35. Right, all right. You are geriatric at 35. And that is the messaging. If you if you do some research, I mean, if, as a man, but as a woman, you're already always receiving this, this sort of cutoff age. That's why on the poster it says, you know, use by 35. <laughs> and even I felt like I had internalized that because I froze my eggs at 34, like Nellie, yeah. I wrote the film about was because I was like, yeah, I don't subscribe to that patriarchal bullshit being forced down my throat. But then I was like calling up the doctor like, OK, it's, I'm 34, probably time to figure this out. So, you know, it's it's in some ways arbitrary. And uh, my doctor in real life, I have to say, Dr. Wong, 
<laughs> was far better bedside manner than the doctor in the movie. He was absolutely the best and made me feel really good and didn't make me feel at all that I was running out of time. But society did. And yeah. I did. And I had already, you know, the damage had been done by years and years and a lifetime of receiving these kinds of messages. Yeah, and I do feel like women, even in like your profession, I feel like they have it tougher. I do. I think like as there's more pressure to look good. So, so there's a scene obviously where the, there was an intimacy scene early on. Directing a movie, writing a movie, acting in a movie is a scene like that. Is that how is that to shoot? Is that like you're looking at a guy who who probably won't take his shirt off at the beach because he's so insecure about himself, right? So, <laughs> what is what is a scene like? Is that is that hard? Is it? Like, what is the environment like? Because you never see like the behind the scenes of something like that. Is that a lot of pressure on you because you've got your hands in a bunch? Of, how how is that? Um, it it's awkward. Yes, <laughs> I don't think there's any way around it. Two out of the three guys in the film that I have intimate scenes with are friends of mine. Okay, so I think in some ways that helped, and in some ways it made it even more awkward. You know, because right. we're like, oh god, now I'm going to make out with my friend, but um. You have an intimacy coordinator. Yep. They're right there in it with you. I think part of it is just acknowledging we're going to do this very weird thing. We have this very weird job as actors, and we're going to try to create something that feels authentic. Otherwise, the, the, our audience is going to – they know – our audience has, has had sex before. They right. know when something <laughs> feels real. They know when something doesn't feel real. So we're, you know, let's just go for it. And I think the first couple, and it is quite technical because you're trying to get the camera in the right, and there's, you know, double chins and there's elbows and <laughs> there's a bit of choreography and sweatingness because you turn off all the AC and we're we're in a heat wave when we were shooting this in the summer. And you know, it's all of that, it's all the awkwardness that you think is there, but there's also movie magic, you know he's pushing up against a plastic ball. So it's not, you know, it's not actually. Oh, touching. okay. All right. I got gotcha. you. Know, we have like covers, you know, kind of cut. Basically she's gluing on underwear and cutting off the visible pieces. And right. there's all kinds of tricks of the trade. And your intimacy coordinator is there to have the awkward conversations with you. And I'm just mostly there to talk to my actor and to pull him into the process. And, and I'll say, look, let's watch this together. Let's see what's working. Let's right. see what's not working. Let's laugh when it's awkward. I am comfortable. I think that's a big part of doing these scenes with men is that they're so conscious of, are you comfortable? Are you okay? And I think me being the director, they know that they don't need to check up on me so much. They know right. that I'm control of the situation and i de i very much felt in control of the situation. and these scenes were completely necessary in nelly's journey i felt i felt you had to have these i felt they they it's it's exactly what life is like on the outside when so i have two questions for you thank you for this two last questions for you um i have to say Lionsgate is amazing with the way they release films that are very eclectic right so i look at some of these movie companies it's the same genre it's the same type of movie it's the same story told 40 different ways what? but Lionsgate is a pretty amazing company as far as what they release and how they release it and this is this movie's no different adds right into their into their playbook they are really taking some big swings they've got the john wicks you know they've got they've got the hunger games they got some big tent pull you know sure things the big guns and then they're taking chances on me, you know, first time female director making a, a comedy about fertility. It really is a miracle that they have supported this film. I was just telling somebody today, I was like, I'm such a big dreamer and usually I have like sky high expectations of everything I do. And I never really hit those. <laughs> I yeah. never really succeed. 
But this is one of these, the, one of the first times in my entire life where my dreams have been surpassed. I did not need it to be in as many theaters. I didn't expect it. I'm honored and I'm blown away. I'm terrified, but Lionsgate has believed in me more than I believe in myself. So I'm I'm really humbled. The movie I, releases February 2nd. Um, my last question to you, and I'll end with this. Um, let me ask you, what is it with comedies and, and, and movies and release? I feel like we haven't, this was a good solid comedy. Like I feel like I haven't seen one in a while before this. Like, what is going on with the state of comedies and movies? Television is maybe a little bit different, I feel like. I feel like there's some funny stuff on TV. But movies, I feel like, I don't know, uh, Leah. I don't know what's going on with movies and comedies. I don't know. I don't know, man. I know that they had told me, I've had somebody tell me that comedies don't translate very well overseas all the time because comedy can be, oh. you know, culturally different pockets right it's it's a it's a dance and it doesn't always translate to different languages very well um so you're you're not you know the way that you can sell a bruce willis action film to other territories pretty easily you're not necessarily gonna gonna sell a film starring me yeah <laughs> somebody about fertility that's you know it's on the it's definitely on the rise but it's you know it's sciencey it's liberal in many ways it's progressive in many ways so I don't know. I don't know. I, I feel like that's a little bit of above my pay grade <laughs> as, as, you know, the market of, of, of film. But, um, but I'm hoping that, you know, we've had some wins. Anyone but you turned out to be a success. And um, I hope that, that, that we can ride that a little bit and we get some people laughing in the theaters. Scrambled, right. scrambled is funny. It's heartfelt. I loved it. Leah, thank you so much. Best wishes to you moving forward. Thank you, Darren. Thank you for listening to Derek Thomas and Monday Morning Critic Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, you can also connect with Monday Morning Critic on Instagram and Facebook, MDM Critic on Twitter, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever podcasts are found. All episodes available, www.mmcpodcast.com.